Hi, I'm Amy Porter. Some of you know me as a flutist and a classical musician, others as a professor, and some of you know me as a publisher and arranger. I'm a stepmom, I'm a business owner, and I'm the founder of a couple of nonprofits. And this is my podcast. My core mission as an entrepreneur is to appreciate what I have around me. And then I try and see as clearly as possible how I can help. So let's talk. Let's share information. Let's laugh and sometimes cry over the things that we have to work through in life and in music, in business and family and relationships. Come on into my Porter Flute pod. Welcome to Porter Flute Pod. What's up? This is episode one in our second season, and you're in the once in a while category called What's Up, Amy? I'll give you an update to what's been going on since the end of season one back in September. Joining me in the episode today are my co-producers, Justine Sedke and Alan J. Tomasetti. They're both equally excited to welcome all the listeners back to season two. My message in making Porter Flute Pod is to remember the long history of flute pedagogy that's never left me, as well as offer up some vaulted recording tracks from my past concerts. I want to impart all the information passed down not only through my flute teachers, but healers and philosophers, psychiatrists, priests, and yogis. They've all taught me from their wisdom and their energy work and slightly psychic abilities. I just want to bring you some stories of my successes and failures, so I'm simply bringing the world all that I have. As Cheryl Strand says, here's my best world, take it or not. You know, I've said it in previous podcasts, recharging is just as important as output. And we know that listening is just as important as speaking and playing. So understand that silence has a higher vibration than sound. And so in September, when I went back to teaching, the natural silence of the podcast season felt right. In fact, I had no calendar set up for the ending of the podcast. It really just came to the end of a cycle and we all agreed, let it resonate out in the universe and see what comes back. So just being back at Michigan and this new style of online learning required my full attention. And so I took a break from writing and recording and producing the podcast every week. Everybody, I am so happy to be back. And I want to thank you so much for being here. let's get to it. I'm someone who likes to continue to improve my game in life. To take inventory, right? To go back and say, what makes me feel good and what doesn't make me feel good? So I made a pact not to lose the focus on my health. I chose to focus on diet in 2021 since I know that the gut rules your health. And I truly healed it with my nutritionist, Dr. Amanda Childress, this past year at the Nutritional Healing Center of Ann Arbor. But I have been lax, so I wanted to face the sugar that has crept in. Um, I'm still choosing to work on studying uh, A Course in Miracles and 
yoga and my start today journal from Rachel Hollis. And then I chose to do things this fall that I had overlooked, right? Do you have that room in the basement that you need to address? Well, I did. It was the holiday room. (laughs) So the holidays were coming. I wanted to get back into the Etude of the Week group. So I wanted to send myself a pulse of renewal, right? I just wanted to send out the pulse and have it come back to myself. So what happened after the last episode? Well, right away, as if there wasn't enough to talk about during the break in my podcast came the release or re-release of my recording of William Bulcom's Lyric Concerto. It was a joy to listen to and celebrate again. It's one of the most difficult and rewarding works I've ever had the honor to perform. So congratulations to my colleagues on this CD called uh, Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, Kenneth Kiesler and the University of Michigan Symphony Orchestra. The composers on the CD are Evan Chambers, Stephen Rush, Kristen Custer, and of course, William Bolcom. Download the copy wherever you listen to your music or link from my website to purchase a hard copy. What else is new? Well, the Anatomy of Sound Workshop had a mini. That's right, we offer one-day workshops now. We just thought it would be fun for you guys at home to log in at any time on a Saturday, as many times on a Saturday as you wanted, and then just to have a little bit of Anatomy of Sound Workshop. That next one is February 20th. 2021 with Adam Workman, The Anatomy of a Match. If you're looking for a flute, you're not going to want to miss this. Then, Anatomy of Sound Workshop. This year, we welcome special guest Valerie Coleman from the Frost School of Music. And that is June 5 through 8. Um, Anatomy of Sound is 19 years old, so I have some grand plans for the 20th anniversary that will probably need to be all hybrid and a little bit in person, hopefully. So I want to encourage everyone to sign up for Anatomy of Sound at least one time in your life, at least for one aspect. Maybe get the the study guide or visit us online. Just go to the website, visit our Facebook page. But what we have to offer is so diverse And it's ever-changing and ever-fluid. And now, with the truth of the anatomy in Dr. David Brown on staff, it has really brought the workshop to such a fantastic level. So I look forward to seeing you either in June or online in February. It's the Anatomy of Sound Workshop, aosworkshop.com. (laughs) 
sitting in silence, you can start to hear some thoughts come in, wisdom, some suggestions from your soul, and then other great messages can begin to come in too. They're the validating ones, and they validate those egocentric identifiers that we all have. The identifiers are those titles I gave myself in the opening of this podcast. Flutist, professor, stepmom, all those things that I identify with, right? Well, in the silence, in no way should I let those titles validate me as a human being. In no way should I think that my self-worth relies on my art. You really need to sometimes just be quiet and experience your goodness within and not need all those validating egocentric identifiers. And then guess what happens? The validating messages now have room to come in or not, but they can be encouraging and say, you know what? You're working hard. Keep going. So while I was doing all that work in silence, I was sent to very validating messages It was so amazing. I was told by the universe to keep going, to promote online music education and keep helping the flute community. The first thing was my alma mater in Wilmington, Delaware, where I went to school as a young, young person. I am an inductee at the Inaugural Arts Hall of Fame at the Tattnall School. Oh my goodness, Hall of Fame. Those aren't three words that are put together to use to describe a flute player. It was so amazing. I was so moved and I immediately left a voicemail for the director of development and I'm sure it was incomprehensible. I was blubbering. I was so moved. The second thing that happened was quite amazing. You know, the best teachers are not the sage on the stage, but the guide on the side. We learn in business that the real winner in every situation is the guide, not the CEO. Think Yoda in Star Wars or Mr. Yamaguchi in Karate Kid. We remember the guides in our life and they become our heroes. So for me, that's Marie Forleo. She wants me to be a better guide. She teaches her students to lose the labels and just show up for every situation as myself and not fake it, don't need attention, and don't run from shame. She encourages everyone to embrace the lack of perfection and move on. So I decide to write to her and I tell her that I've done a podcast because she's inspired me so much. I tell her the version of my life that self-identifies with, okay, you ready? Older parents dying when I was 26, one with Alzheimer's, one with liver cancer, two divorces by age 40, and that was followed by a suicide of the man I loved. A stormy life ensues with very bad choices, all of which are taken up by a higher power and delivered in the form of my dearest friend from my youth, from the Tattnall School, my now husband, Jeb. And then I tell her the last line, it says... I'm living my best life as a wife, a stepmother, musician, you know, all those identifiers. And then I sent it. Okay, guess what? Marie Forleo's international customer happiness team replied. I mean, I can't believe it. They wrote back, but as they should, right? They said, thank you so much for sharing your beautiful heart and story with us. 
And they went on to say congratulations on the successes and the persistence and courage to go after your dreams. And they said that they shared the note with Marie and all of Team Forleo so they can collectively honor and celebrate this podcast. And I was, you know, the, the fact that I was just doing it, right? I was just telling her that she inspired me. But they wrote back with all, you know, saying we're cheering you on big time over here. I was amazed. Like I was sitting there thinking, okay, well, I'm not really doing the podcast at the moment. I was silent. So, I mean, they're sending all the love to you and Jeb. Oh my gosh. I was floored. So one day I checked my inbox at Instagram and someone was saying, congrats on being mentioned in Marie Forleo's 10th anniversary email. And I thought, what? I just saw that email. I guess I didn't read it all the way. So I ran to the email and there it was. She had four quotes and one of them was mine. It mentioned my name and my flute and my podcast. Oh my gosh. Those are my identifiers. But my heart was overjoyed that here was my coach and her team who didn't even know me. Validating me and my work. Me and my grit my determination to just start speaking and tell everything that I know. So don't put goals on hold, just modify them. If we kick ourselves in the best direction for us at the time, it's the best. Like it's either the flexible direction or the forward direction. And always, if you're going forward, don't look back. So those are the validations I got while I was silent on the podcast. I've been working my skincare business a lot and creating a new website for my workshop. The whole time knowing the, the podcast would get accomplished. It would bring me the same joy once I was back with more to say. And boy, do I have more to say. definitely pros and cons to online teaching. It's sad. We can't be with one another. The human needs another human for all that energy and that smile and the compassion. It's diminished without being in person. And online, we need to keep up our energy game. My mother used to say about most electronic appliances, it's not God. And so the internet isn't God. And when the internet's not able to perform in its full capacity at all times, we're weakened. 
Well, this fall, I did online masterclasses for Midland Center for the Arts in Midland, Michigan, the first flute festival at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville for Dr. Maria Castillo, and at the University of Texas in San Antonio for Dr. Rachel Wolf. And I was so happy that it still happened. I was so happy that I got to see the students. The teacher and the students still had work to do. The other thing I asked for was that the students send me a video in advance. So on my own time, I can watch them without being relegated to the internet of the moment. I think watching videos helps that student make adjustments to their body and watches um, their physical connection to the instrument. It's, it's a fascinating thing to watch yourself. So just make sure we still are learning the same required repertoire, the same excerpts needed for the overall flute performance field. If you're planning a recital to be filmed and then air it, keep the same course, keep practicing, keep listening, and know that this is just a part of production. It's called pre-production. <laughs> so make sure your pre-production and your production still have a big time practice element and keep the bar high for yourself. We can all agree that 2020 had more to offer than usual. We can agree that we used more of our energy in thinking and using our minds. We were figuring things out instead of practicing and playing our instruments. We have so much to give and so much to offer as musicians, and we found out quickly that it's not just playing in the concert hall that reaches people. I was overjoyed to see Michigan alumni doing all kinds of services for their orchestras, their ensembles, for their schools, for their fans and listeners. People were playing in, in their driveways. They were playing garage concerts. They were playing in parking lots, in the street, and online in new ways to bring attention to their causes and bring new levels of awareness socially across the board through the performing arts. I loved seeing the people in Italy singing from their balconies with such joy, knowing that performing music was so important and the camaraderie of these performances were still so important. So I've chosen to live in the now as far as performances are concerned. No live performances for me. I've chosen to continue dealing with the best scenario I can offer, and that is recording my concerts. Getting in an, into an empty hall, that's the goal for me right now, getting the recordings. I'll continue to be safe in 2021 because I'm patient. And when we're live, then we will be live. I am not going to try to recreate something like the concert hall, I have to recreate the musical connection I can offer with my playing and my teaching. For instance, I have a recital in February for a small series run by a friend in Massachusetts. I'll film the recital of all female composers and I will distance from the pianist on the first and last piece. Then the following night, I'll be able to watch the film I created with my audience and answer questions and enjoy their company. 
At the Brevard Music Center this summer, I will be there in person, but distanced. And my two workshops, Anatomy of Sound and Impulse, will continue to be online. I have played live at St. Andrew's Church. The new organ there is being installed in the sanctuary, so we have to film the services in the chapel instead. It's much smaller. And in addition, we're assisting in stopping the community spread of this virus, so our large parish has not been together in person since the spring. We've come together in our spirits on YouTube, and I've played whenever possible. It has been tough on my soul not to see them in person. I show up once a month or so on a weekday around 4.30, masked up until I play. The service is recorded in sections, so it's an easy in-and-out service for me. And then the service is aired on Sunday morning. On Christmas Eve, I played one of Daniel Dorff's Nocturnes, the first Cantique de Noël. You can hear that on our Christmas Eve online service on YouTube. I can't wait until next year with the new organ playing for the community of Ann Arbor with all of its glorious new organic might. I have been practicing. I have drew a studies for Etude of the Week on the stand, and I have that recital in February, so I'm working on the repertoire. Uh, that includes Zoo Song by Umesh alum Nina Shaker and the Sonata by Mel Boni. So those are just a few things I'm up to. And during this time, I'm super happy just to continue to be able to play. Haven't you heard this? It's our gift and how we use it that counts. So I think it's important to just look at the bottom line during this massive energy shift in the world and say, I'm so grateful that I can still physically and mentally play music. Let's see what I can do now with what I've got. And then listen for the validation in your heart. So many of us were just overwhelmed with 2020 
and all of the stress it caused in our lives. It also messed with a lot of music students, and I watched people wonder if their careers were even worth following. So there's something in our classical music world that we do, and that is compete. I've judged competitions, I've entered them, won and lost, but the scenario remains the same. And that is that there's still a musician with a job to do, and that is to impart the music in the most imaginative way. So with these competitions, if we let ourselves down, it's because we over-identified with winning instead of giving the gift. When we compete online, nothing should change about the integrity of the playing. I heard it said the other day, an out-of-tune flute will not make you sound like a master. And this person wasn't a flutist. A lost person will be showing all of themselves and nothing of the composer. So it's not the recording quality directly that motivates someone to honor a performance with a prize. It's pure artistry and sheer joy that can transcend all the flaws in your sound space. You've been listening to my recording of William Bulcombe's Lyric Concerto for Flute and Orchestra. It's on the new CD called Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. Join us for our next episode where we will be owning up and learning from those embarrassing musical moments. We'll learn how to recover from those nasty finger flubs everyone, including seasoned professionals, make. And we'll regain confidence to keep going, even though you may feel embarrassed. Do you have an idea for an episode or a burning question? You can contact me at amyporter.com slash contact. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. I'm Porter Flute. Thanks for being here. I'm so grateful for you.